Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Hi, this is Matt. I'm a sexaholic from upstate New York. Uh... To be honest, I never know what the hell I'm going to say whenever I start speaking. Let's hope it's not anything. Let's uh, hope I don't get myself in trouble here. Uh, just kidding. Um, so, uh, I guess I'll start off from the beginning. I, I was screwed up with sex uh, as far back as I can remember. Um, I actually... I don't know if this is typical or not, um, could be unusual, but I, I actually stumbled into the the act and behavior of sex before I had lust. Uh, I just kind of stumbled into it, it seemed, by accident. Um, it wasn't motivated by any internal feeling in any particular way. Uh, although that followed shortly thereafter. Um, I will say from the very beginning, there's a few things about um, masturbation um, and and lust, but particularly I would say masturbation that was very clear to me. Um, number one, it was something extremely powerful. Uh, again, I stumbled onto this kind of it seems by accident. Um, but I was very surprised at the time. Uh, I knew it was it was powerful. I think number two was that it was dangerous. It was something that um, would change me. Um, and number three was it was something, and this is probably maybe the the worst part of all. It was something I needed to keep hidden, uh, keep to myself. Uh, I developed. Um, starting from around that time, and again, this is very young, the habit of of a d- double world, keeping things um, secretive, um, hiding. There's a, there's a reference in the white book about that our outsides not match, matching our insides. At that point, I started to to develop um, a hidden world, uh, a world of fantasy. Um, I think that was the that was probably the the main thing that kept the problem going as long as it did was the lying about it. Um, fortunately, um, 
there's a reaction to this um, for most people, if you're lucky. Uh, for me, it was um, guilt and shame and fear um, pretty much from the beginning. Um, when I got to be around, I don't know, I would say 9, 10, 11, um, unfortunately, the, the secret world tipped over into uh, involvement with another person, um, then it wasn't so much of a secret anymore. Um, the, then I would say the, the height of the fear and shame and guilt uh, became multiplied to a point where I couldn't bear it. Um, I found it very hard uh, at that point to reconcile this duplicity, this inner thing of of wanting to do something very badly, but knowing how awful and wrong it was. Um, and also, uh, again, this lying aspect, I, more than anything else, I didn't want to get caught. Um, involving other people increases the likelihood or ability that such a thing could happen. Um, I think a lot of the, the keeping it under wraps is because of the shame aspect, um, but also I would say there's another thing that was in there, which was that um, I didn't want to lose. Uh, I knew it was dangerous. I knew it was wrong in certain ways, but the fact of the matter was um, uh, sexual expression of one kind or another, whether mostly at this point was masturbation, was something um, that... Uh, and fantasy and dreaming and the whole the whole thing that was something I didn't want to give up it was something um, that uh, I hadn't yet seen the, the the devastating effects in full there was still it appeared to be a little well not a little good a lot of good still in it uh, I knew it had some rough edges um, and I thought somehow I, I could deal with that or I'd just muddle through. Um, eventually, and I don't want to get too, too far down the line, but eventually um, this, this freedom that I thought I had of encouraging fantasy and images and, um, you know, things that, that might come into my head to, to progress this thing along, eventually it became an absolute fear um, and almost, I would say, something something of a horror almost because by the very end, I was so afraid of what might come in my mind um, because I didn't know if I might not act out on it. And it could be unbelievably, I would say at least it would be very painful to my vanity, <laughs> which is a big thing in my picture. At worst, it could be something criminal. And uh, I became very afraid of lust towards uh, pre right up preceding my recovery. Um, when I got into high school, um, I, one of the things I'd say about um, our day and age, and I don't want to blame our culture or our day and age for my problems, in any regards, but um, the fact of the matter was, growing up, 
going to high school, and there was an unbelievable amount of pressure um, to be involved sexually. Um, I think, my God, how rough that is. I think about my own kids growing up. Um, just the amount of force and pressure that's coming to do things, to act at, at a level of, um, to, to participate in actions that can only come with a person who has the maturity and commitment to be able to, to do it and handle it sanely. And that was forced on, on me as a young kid. And uh, I was already very weak in a lot of senses. I didn't need outside pressure um, to commit certain behaviors that I knew weren't right. I had enough internal things going. Um, but still, nonetheless, there was a hell of an amount of pressure. Um, with, with the acting out um, as a young person that involved others came, again, a tremendous amount of, of fear and shame and worry and concern of getting caught and uh, the whole thing. Um, along with that came a real desire and need to get free from that. I didn't want to yet, um, I didn't want to give up masturbation and uh, sex again, which I thought was a freedom. But I did want to get, at least have um, relief from the, the, what I see now as the blessed byproduct and side effect of, of, of doing something wrong at a sacred level. I can't shake it. Um, you know, not all of us fall into the same um, views philosophically, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that um, uh, religiously speaking, I consider sex to be a sacred thing, and violation of sacred things causes um, a response. Uh, the, the more sacred the, the harder it is on the person and the kind of insanity that happens when you violate sex, in my opinion, is, is one hell of a thing. Um, now, I would say you don't have to be religious to have <laughs> that view because as a, as a young person, I could already see there was something innate in me that any, when I violated this and I was willing to be selfish at this level, and put my own needs above another person, um, the response to that um, was, again, it's kind of an internal psychic uh, hell of a kind. Um, when I got into um, high school, I was involved. Um, oh, I don't want to lose my thread here, but um, with, the, with the acting out, uh, at 10, 11, and 12, and, and the result that came, I desperately was looking for freedom from the, the side effect, the byproduct of it, um, which again really helped me. It really brought me to recovery. Um, I tried to play mental games with it, um, you know, thinking about the things that I had done and the shame and everything. It would, I, I, would, I was able to shake it and not think about it too often. But at a certain point, it would come back in. And the best method I had for dealing with it, which is 
was a mental trick and a game, which was to try to convince myself that I wasn't the one that had been doing the things that I was doing. And uh, that's a hell of a way to deal with one's conscience. Um, at the time, I thought, um, quite fortunately, I, I stumbled onto um, alcohol and, and drugs. And my God, did that work in this way, um, very surprisingly. Uh, most people, or a lot of people, get into addictive substances slowly. Um, I didn't at all. And I think I entered into them as a kind of aid and help to help me deal with my conscience, to help me deal with um, all of the things that were going on inside. And um, it provided a kind of relief that I desperately needed. Um, I don't think the 12 steps have been made the way that they, they were by mistake. I think this thing where you get to the 12 step and it says spiritual awakening, originally it said spiritual experience. I don't think that's by mistake. I, I think that people desperately need to have some kind of a of spiritual um, awakening, some kind of a spiritual experience on a regular basis. Um, they're in need of it. And I certainly was. And when I go back and look at my whole picture, I see that... Um, that was the very thing that um, I had taken into my own hands. I was looking for something. I was looking for a, a relief, a bliss, a joy, assurance, comfort. And I had taken that, that on myself to try to find it for myself. Uh, that was my mode of operating, was to, was to handle my whole life myself in my own way. Uh, if I got into a scrape, I would try to get myself out of it. If I didn't want to do something like a responsibility, I would get myself out of it. I had a tremendous amount of trust in myself um, until I got into the program. Should I keep going? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Keep going, Matt. Thanks. That's okay. Uh, when I, um, I would say I had a tremendous, tremendous amount of trust in myself until I actually got into this program. It was one of the very first things that started to um, really waver. Uh, I think it was one of <laughs> the things that was keeping me from a surrender. Um, so most of my involvement throughout high school involved uh, the boy and girl thing and um, not your typical thing that I used to see on TV, but mostly I just had one girlfriend after another, and it mostly revolved solely around sex. And I, I, I'm a social person. I like people and stuff, but the 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 main thing going was was sex for me, and I was interested in myself and my own pleasures at the expense of another person. And um, you know, now that I'm a married person and have committed to marriage and I look back at the involvement of such um, things like sex with absolutely zero commitment running off, the gasoline of that thing was all selfishness. And I wonder 
car got into a crash. <laughs> um, by the time I turned, um, I'd say 21 or 22, uh, the, the, the sex thing was still as crazy as hell. I was involved in stuff. The internet back then wasn't, it wasn't like what it is now. And if you wanted to look at a pornographic image, you almost had to wait, you know, a minute or two sometimes just to load. And, um, there was some things of contacting people and I did that and met people. I don't know their names and all kinds of things. Again, once the, once the booze, um, and, and drugs got in the picture, I was able to do, I was able to have courage, a black courage or a false courage to do the things that, um, I wanted to do, but was too afraid to do. And then also it worked terrifically well the morning after just to deal with what the hell I did the night before. Um, thank God the internet wasn't really a, as much of a thing, um, because that's a drug of its kind. Uh, I will say there was one particular point where um, my ex escapades turned into an involvement with some pretty um, dangerous situations. At one point, I had had uh, been involved with a particular girl, and um, later she ended up, unfortunately, overdosing on drugs. Uh, shortly thereafter, I was at work, and uh, a, a person was had had mentioned how their boyfriend had been in, in rehab with this particular person, and they probably uh, overdosed because they had uh, had they had AIDS. And I remember the absolute fear of, oh my God, I'm going to die, and um, going out and doing the doing a, a personal blood test and, and um, making the, the commitment to God, I'll never screw around sexually. I'll do this right. I'll never do this again. Uh, every day calling, you know, 15, 20, 30 times a day to try to get results, to hear the results, and finally finding out that it wasn't wasn't the case. And I have no idea how much, you know, what brief period of so-called abstinence I had before I was serially looking for other people to use. Um, this is the insanity of sex addiction and, and lust. Um, by the time I got into the program, uh, fortunately, it's, it's really interesting, these things like you know, booze, which was a, um, a way to commit these wrongs more easily, ended up turning on me and... Um, I got into a lot of trouble, and I needed help. And I turned to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I shared my—I didn't share my story, but I remember sharing in one one of these meetings early on, coming in, and I mentioned something about God. I started to get interested in God again, and um, I remember walking out of the meeting with the this kind of clear thought that. You know, you can say all you want about God, but you're going to go home and, and masturbate anyway. And this old adage, I guess it is, um, that cleanliness is next to godliness. All of a sudden, this idea became really clear to me that um, I can't get involved in the, in the filth of, of lust 
and really get involved in the joy of God. It's, they're just, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, I think I went back and actually looked at it recently because an SA member asked me what the length of time was when I got in the program to when I started to get a recovery. Um, I think it's about four and a half or five months later, uh, I started to seriously pursue a sex recovery. Throughout that time, I was um, I at least had the sense to start going to um, as a, my particular religious persuasion. We have confession, and I was um, going frequently and admitting every time I'd, I'd masturbate or had a sex slip, and um, it was often. I know the terrible pattern of, you know, uh, you know, admitting it and then committing not to doing it again and then feeling this unbelievable, you know, almost huge black shadow of urge following you everywhere, growing every second until finally the dam breaks and you say, screw it, I'm going to act out anyway. And then the lie comes in, well, if I'm going to admit to doing it once, I might as well do it for a couple days. Uh, Just that whole thing. God, (laughs) what the hell? Um, Anyway, so finally, uh, I had reached out, um, you know, to get help with the sex recovery. Um, Try to speed it up here so I have some time. Um, I met a couple of people who actually had a sex recovery for some time. And they told me a few things to do. Uh, Number one, they said, um, they didn't use the word accountability, but they said, stay in touch. Call us once a week. If you're going to masturbate, just call, make a commitment once a week that you'll call before you do. We won't, you know, we're going to say whatever we will if, you know, if you call. But just do that. We're not saying don't masturbate. We're just saying call first. And um, I committed to doing that. Um, the next thing they said is, is if you want to deal with lust, it's a, they said basically lust is a tricky bastard. It's been taking down men and women for thousands and thousands of years. It's had plenty of experience to figure out how to do it efficiently and well. And they said the best way to handle lust is when it starts to solicit uh, acknowledge that this is lust. You know, this is lust. Say that to yourself. It loses power when you do that. Um, number two was was to say a repetitive prayer until the lust goes away. It, lust does not like you praying to God. Uh, eventually, when it knows you're serious, it'll back off. Um, now, them talking about lust like a living thing didn't I didn't that wasn't strange to me because I felt like it was. I felt very much like I was being pursued by something that became so powerful and very um and I don't know how to actually put this in words, but I felt that its power had been um at my expense, that every time I gave in to lust it became a little bit stronger and I became a little bit weaker. And by the time I turned to real help for the sex addiction, I felt that I was, I wasn't even hardly up for this battle, that it was so strong and so powerful and I was so weak. Uh, But anyway, they said, that doesn't matter. Turn to prayer. 
and just keep praying. And so uh, I had, and I, I say this a lot in my shares, but at, up to that point in my life, I, I hardly had ever gone up against, I really hadn't gone up against the temptation um, and resisted it. I always gave in, unless there was a circumstantial uh, interruption of some kind that, that threw me off balance. I always gave in. And now, uh, this happens to anybody who walks in the door, there's an unspoken commitment. You say you're a sexaholic, and your commitment is that you're not going to jerk off, you're not going to look at porn, and you're not going to consent to lust. And that's a hell of a burden in the beginning, it seems, because you think, well, I've never been able to not do that before. Uh, fortunately, there's people you meet who you can trust that, that you know are just like you, and if you do what the hell they did, you can get what they've got. And I listened to these guys. I came out of this thing, and it was a very short period after that. Uh, I ended up, and most works in such interesting ways. It's just, you know, <laughs> I ended up in a situation where um, it wasn't some, um, you know, talk about, uh, well, let me just put it this way. I ended up in a situation that wasn't some, you know, you know, gorgeous blonde hitting on me or some something like that that you would think. It, it was solely this. Uh, I was walking home from, coming in the back door from work into the apartment building, and as I walked down the hallway to my left was a washing machine, and I was heading up to my apartment, and the thought had come into my mind, uh, to look inside the washing machine to see if there's any clothing in there um, so I could do laundry. Now, there are only two of us that use that washing machine, myself and the, and the girl who I found to be very attractive that lived upstairs. And I stood there in the hallway and I started, I had even a flash of an image of something that I might see if I opened that washing machine. And then the, this uh, thought came back, well, um, what if you do see something inside that washing machine? And then I talked back and I said, well, um, you know, I've got to be able to be enough of a man that I can open up a wash. I might be starting to get on this program thing, but I've I got to be enough of a man that I could open a washing machine. What kind of a man can't do that? And then something else said back, well, you don't even really need to do laundry right now. And then I talked back to that. And there, then I entered into about a 40-minute discussion back and forth, um, which I don't recommend to anyone. This, this, is, this is a hard way to go with lust. Do not converse with it. Don't, if you touch manure, you get crap on your fingers. Don't, don't talk to it at all. I did. Fortunately, though, I remembered the advice of my new friends, and they said to pray. And every once in a while, I remember to pray, and I start praying, and I started saying this prayer over and over again. And finally, the scales tipped, and the prayer won out, and I started to walk. And but you know, my muscles were literally sore from standing there for 45 minutes. And I went back, I went up the steps and into my apartment, and. I had no idea what experience I had just had 
uh, it, it came to me, you know, over the, certainly over the, the months, but, but more so um, over the years. Uh, I found out two things. I found out, number one, the power of, of temptation and the power of lust. Because, again, I had never not given in. And, uh, my God, I underestimated its power. Equally and yet more so, I had underestimated the power of prayer. And because I prayed, I got the help that I needed. And the third thing that happened to me there was I was, I was actually given an, given an experience. Um, spiritual experience comes in ways you never know how and when and where. Uh, obviously, it comes from God. Any time I've ever taken it into my own hands to get it for myself, uh, I always got into a serious jam. Uh, this is a type where you come out and your life is starting to be put right. There isn't any regrets the morning after with legitimate spiritual experience. Um, so I ended up with an experience that I didn't want to lose. And so the very next time that I got tempted, which probably wasn't very much later, now I had, it was like entering into gambling. Now I had, now I had something to play with and I didn't want, I, I had something also to lose and I didn't want to lose it. Uh, each temptation that came, I started that same formula over again, just praying for help to get through it and being as persistent with the prayer as the temptation was. And each, each corresponding temptation came with an additional gain. And um, I think this is the way it always goes. And I think part of the gain is that you're given something that you can then turn around and give to the next guy, just like the two people who talked to me about how to get out of this jam happened before, you know, before this. Um, I've, uh, try to wrap it up here soon. I've, um, that was actually, uh, June 27th, uh, 1999. Uh, shortly thereafter, I had that, that experience probably in the month of June. Um, from that day to this, which, um, has not been a perfect ride, uh, I've had my zigs and zags, stubbed my toe a few times along the way, uh, had, you know, all kinds of unbelievable life difficulties, everything from a premature daughter that spent three months in the hospital and my wife spending two months prior to that in the hospital, uh, her being airlifted a few years later because her lungs had collapsed and her oxygen level went down to 50 uh, thinking that she wouldn't make it through uh, to uh, a lot of very close friends and family members uh, having all kinds of you know disputes and arguments and um, difficulties with kids and marriage stuff and the whole whole gamut and yet from that day to this um, I don't want to say oh, well, I've not looked at porn and, and haven't masturbated. But what I really want to say is there's been, and that is true, but 
what I really want to say is, is through that time, from that to this, has been um, a strength and a protection. Uh, I almost want to say refuge. You know, at times of difficulty and, and at times where things go well. I, I'm naturally something of a pompous person. And when things go well, I get a little arrogant. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I usually screw up, fortunately, when I'm, when I'm full of myself, which happens a lot. And good thing I'm married because my wife points it out frequently. This program is a hell of a thing, and it, it's, it's been there for me to deal with the, the drinking and the drugging. I quit smoking with the help of this program. Um, I, my conscience is uh, not something that um, I need to stifle with a, with a drug of some kind. Now I can turn to the, the resources that this program gives me, like talking to another person, um, doing a fourth and fifth step, uh, you know, getting the relief and, and joy that I was looking for in addictive habits through prayer time. Um, I think uh, everything that a human heart hungers for could be found in the 12 steps. Uh, it isn't easy. You got to do the work up front. But if, if you do it, there is uh, an unbelievable, terrific reward that comes and the way I lived before was get all your joy up front borrow against your own future and figure out a way to pay it later and uh, that was one hell of a way to live this way is do the work up front experience the you know the joy that comes from it after that give that to other people and receive it from them and um, and live, really, and live. Uh, it's a hell of a life. I'm really grateful to um, be here, and I'm grateful to be able to tell my story. So thank you.